0: How can you be part of a religious community that straight up Sometimes it signs feels or like the church is trying business. to hold The off. church seems to be stuck they in their ways exist. when the rest of the world Why are they so obsessed they with it? I would but they never be a part of a church that's that not welcoming as as is the local most most t- political voice church is still the one believe claim worship, can worship with the actual do you understand how ridiculous this that is from the of people. The church I seems to be stuck to in their ways so, when the rest of the like, culture is, how how is It seems like good so news. much of the church is being a good anti-critical American. Anticritical thinking, thinking being a good homophobic, too narrow, judgmental, and disconnected from what is truly happening in the real world. <sighs> the church needs therapy. Welcome to the newest episode of The Church Needs Therapy. And it feels really good to be back doing this right now. I took a little unexpected break. Recently, I switched from doing episodes every week to doing episodes. I'm 20 seconds in and instead of saying episodes, I'm saying episodes. That's what one week off does to you. you. Just start adding R's anywhere. But I took a week. I didn't plan to take off, but it's just life. And my kids had spring break and we were going on a bunch of adventures and also my energy has shifted where also besides this podcast, I'm starting to record more and more podcasts for on other people's podcasts for my book coming up. Cause by the time my book comes out May 31st, The Making of a Mystic, for those of you listening in, go get that May 31st. I will let you know when it's up for pre-order on Amazon. But I want to say probably by the time May 31st comes around, I will be on around 30 podcasts of other people's. You know, I have a calendar and people kind of we sync up our schedules for when it works. And last week, I think I had the days were free. And then all of a sudden on Friday, I had five podcasts to record. So I was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nah, no one wants to do it. And then Thursday I had five podcasts to do. So my energy has been shifting from preparing for the book release to recording podcasts, to getting ready for a couple book release parties that I'm planning on doing. And now I am back with you here on my own podcast, The Church Needs Therapy. and I don't have a title for this yet. I'm going to title it after I record, but we are going to talk about hell in parentheses, but not really. And we're going to talk about peace, and we're going to talk about particularity. So that was just a small update. It's been fun to be on other people's podcasts and to start talking about the book and I get to answer all kinds of questions about contemplation and the mysticism of every day and letting go and I talk about how mushrooms were missionaries for me and one person asked me about what I think about psychedelics and the research happening now so it's all kinds of fun and interesting conversations so peace Hell particularity. Let's begin with okay. There is this provocative ancient Hindu story about being cold, a falcon, and an unexpected visit to hell. So one day, I might I might say these names wrong. It's very likely I will. One day, Lal Shabaz Quilander was wandering in the desert with his friend Sheikh Baha Udin Zakaria. It was freezing. And as the evening came, they decided to build a fire to keep warm while they camped. They gathered some wood and built a pyre, but then realized that they had no way to ignite it. So Baha Udin suggested that Lal Shabazz turn himself into a falcon, fly down and bring some fire from hell. I love how the one friend comes up with a great idea to get fire from hell, but tells his friend to do it. The ancient, whoever came up with this story, this, this ancient, you know, sage and parable storyteller, that's a funny thing. I get an idea, get some fire from hell, but hey, I'm not going to do it. I'll tell my friend to do it. By the way, we're all either the one who comes up with ideas to get our friends to do, or we're the friend who does them. So off he flew and hours passed. Eventually, the bird god soared back to Baha'u'din and fluttered to his side empty-handed. Cold and bewildered, Baha'u'din asked him why he had not brought fire back with him. Well, there is no fire in hell, he reported, changing back into his usual form. Everyone who goes there from this world brings their own. So there is no fire in hell. Or to put it more accurately, the only fire in hell is the kind we bring ourselves. Now, before people get all 2010 when, when everybody was scared and angry at Rob Bell for writing Love Wins, let's assume that this parable is not about a literal place called hell that we might either go to or not go to when we die. Right? Can we do that? Okay, let's Let's just... Suspend some of those contentious conversations about hell that I honestly don't really have with people, but I assume people still do. So instead of reading this and thinking it's saying something literal about hell when we die, let's assume that this story has something profound to say about what it means to experience peace while we live. Some of the words I remember reading from Jesus after my initial encounter with God were these light, playful, and provocative thoughts about birds. He mentioned the freedom of birds and flowers, a life lived without worry, and how if we seek God first, everything else will organically fall into place. Birds, flowers, living without worry. And by the way, trust me, Jesus actually said these things. I know it sounds like your roommate from your sophomore year of college right after they hit the blunt, but I'm serious. It actually was Jesus. In Matthew 6, he said, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See how the flowers of the field grow, right? He goes on, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I told you, all Jesus in those words. By the way, those weren't chronological order. Those were different parts of Matthew 6, but that was all Jesus. And what struck my 20-year-old mind and heart as I read these playful yet revolutionary words was the vision from Jesus that we can actually be at peace, that we can be free. I also believe there was a way of being, a path we can follow and an approach to life that allows us to live without worry. And Jesus spoke the possibility of this path into existence for me. When I was 17 years old, I remember sitting outside of my friend's house, who I used to pick up weed from when I was young, when I was selling weed. And I remember sitting outside of his house and thinking to myself, I just want to be. (laughs) Which is which is so funny to think about. But as silly as that might sound, within that 17-year-old groaning was the depth of this universal feeling like there is something more to achieve in order to be at peace. Like, you know, we keep thinking we need more to achieve, but it's there's something within us that wants to have that peace without achieving more. Right, I just want to be. Don't we all want that? To be able to just be? So three years later, after my initial encounter with the resurrected Christ, reading those words of Jesus was like breathing fresh air into my lungs. Because he knew. He knew it was possible to be at peace. He knew there was a way to transcend worry. And no matter how naive many people believe that is, he was daring to articulate a way of being that had peace integrated into its day-to-day flow. See, for Jesus, peace is possible. Which brings us back to the parable about hell in the beginning. In Matthew 6, Jesus shows us that we can be at peace. The parable reveals that the only things getting in the way of peace actually exist within us. Or to say it another way, the only flames that exist in hell are the ones that we bring ourselves. So there's this possibility of peace. And then there are the myriad, right? The countless things that are stuck to us and seem to refuse to let us go things that keep ruining the possibility of peace. So let me pose some questions that can begin to help us to see that it is the things within us that get in the way of peace. Because we can say peace is possible, and we can believe it. And if we do, the question then becomes, what is the path towards peace? Or the way I'm framing it right now, what are the things that are getting in the way of us experiencing the peace that is possible in Christ. So what is going to bring us true peace? Acquiring more or requiring less? Getting the moment to go exactly the way we wanted it to or surrendering the moment to the Spirit? Having all of our expectations met or letting go of our expectations? Fighting to win an argument or transcending the need to win? See, these questions are just a glimpse into the way in which our life and our way of being in the world carry the potential to either block the path of peace or to clear the way for peace. See, every, those questions are so important because every single one of those questions is not about whether or not the peace Jesus talked about is possible. They're about whether or not we are going to get in the way of the peace that we all long for. You are more powerful than you realize when it comes to this journey toward peace. Jesus gave us this radical, this vision of this radical sense of peace. And you have the power to live further into that vision and to become to more and more to become that person of peace in ways you probably don't even know. We have been created for peace. So here's, here's my question. What this is, this is where I'm taking this now, right? Here's the path of peace. What is getting in the way? Or what do we need to let go of in order to be at peace? See, that's sort of a foundational part of my understanding of spirituality, about life with God, about the way of Jesus, about living in Christ, etc., It's not about whether or not peace, joy, and freedom are more possible. For me, the question always becomes, I believe these are the invitations and the possibilities within life and within the spirit. And then I ask myself, what are the things I need to let go of? Other times in your life, it's what do I need to step into? Courage, risk, vulnerability. There's these active parts of it. Other parts, when we think about a spirituality of subtraction, are what are the things I need to let go of, overcome, and transcend in order to step into that possibility? And see, that is not me diminishing the power of God, but that is me refusing the disempowered place I believe so many people live in and understanding the role we have in this co-creative path of evolution in God. So, assuming there are things we need to let go of to experience peace. I just want to talk about one right now, although I'm sure I could talk about more. One thing we need to let go of, and this is a big one. One thing we need to let go of in order to experience peace is particularity, right? Particularity gets in the way of so much of the peace that we desire. So here's what I mean. The less particular you need things to be to experience peace, the more you will experience peace. And the more particular you need things to be to experience peace, the less you will experience peace. Do you see how simple that is, at least conceptually, right? If the more particular you need things to be to be at peace, the less you're going to be at peace because usually all of the elements of particularity you need aren't going to add up the exact way you want and then you're going to be frustrated. And if you have a partner, you're going to be fighting with them, okay? Our attachment to a specific structure of the moment is what constantly limits our capacity to experience peace in the moment. It's the attachment to a specific structure of the moment that limits our capacity to experience peace in the moment. In our day-to-day experience, particularity is about expectations and always carrying around some version of the way we think things are supposed to go. Particularity is an attachment to a specific form of circumstances or an ideal shape of each instance of reality. It's usually this unconscious forming of a version of what's supposed to happen, and then getting stuck to it or fixated on it, because of course, what eventually happens, things do not go the way you envision them going. The beautiful scenic picnic with your kids is chaotic and stressful, right? The the perfect breakfast moment you planned with your you know, significant other somehow got completely upended, right? Your mom or your dad or your sister doesn't respond to the good news you were sharing the way you thought they would. And have they ever, by the way, just when you have that, has that ever happened? The fight you're having in your relationship doesn't fit into what you thought a marriage was supposed to be. Your family gets into a big fight during the holidays again, right? These disruptive and frustrating events can become defining experiences on our path to peace. When our expectations aren't met or when the plans we had for an experience do not come into being, it forces us to ask this question. Do we take control externally Or do we surrender control internally? Do we try and force reality into the shape of our expectations? Or do we let go of our expectations and embrace the shape of what is? Do we fight, get angry, and manipulate everything around us until it looks the exact way we thought it was supposed to? Or do we let the moment be exactly what it is and let go of what we thought it was supposed to look like? This is why the brilliant Ilya DeLeo said, quote, we suffocate the life of the spirit within us by controlling the space around us. So what she's getting at is we can suffocate the spirit. We can squeeze out joy and we can push peace to the edge each time we try and control our space and force it to be something that it's not. You can't, I'll say this, Okay. You cannot receive the peace of the moment when you need it to be something other than what it is. It, it's why it's kind of it's funny, but it can feel like we're always going back to the garden, right? Insisting that we know the way, forcing things on our own turns, our own terms, and stubbornly trying to cram the life of the infinite into our tiny, rigid, and let's be honest, laughable expectations. But if you keep surrendering the particular way you think things are supposed to be, you keep opening up to, up to the sacredness of the way things are, which gives you access to the peace that is present. With all that said, right, that was a lot. Let me tell a story. Have you ever had a bird shit on your ideal moment? And I don't mean metaphorically, I mean literally shit on your moment. Because I have, all right? Let me explain this. I remember it was this beautiful, golden, glowing afternoon here in Hawaii leading into the sunset. For whatever reasons, on that day of my schedule, I had this, like, open space in the late afternoon, early evening. And I must have been out already. And I decided to pull into this massive, empty parking lot and spend time in silence before I went home. And this is, like, this is this really cool and special parking lot in our neighborhood because there's this giant shepherd fairy who's the creator of Obey. And there's this giant shepherd fairy mural on the massive wall on this parking lot. Which that's by the way that's one of the many perks of living in a neighborhood which has one of the greatest street art events in the country every year. So there's just a, right near my house basically in you know, a couple blocks away there's a massive shepherd fairy mural. So on that day I pulled in my, I pulled in I parked my car. I opened the trunk door, sat in the back, and I had this deep sense of, you know, this is a moment, something special is going to happen. There's this, I'm going to be present to the presence of God. It's a moment of waking up and being awake and not doing anything and receiving everything, right? Those those beautiful open spaces of contemplation. And like, I'm not sure maybe this spirit would communicate something more specific than normal. Perhaps some visual dynamic of the scene would speak to the deep truth, this deep truth to my heart. I don't know. But I had this sense of the sacred weight of the moment. And when I looked up above me, I saw a single bird sitting on a wire. And as I fixed my gaze on it with the assumption or hope that something profound was going to take place, the bird took a huge shit. I mean, I... I'm not joking. I could actually see the silhouette of the shit falling from the bird through the golden sky until it hit the ground. Which is so hilarious. And so life. I came for presence and peace and was confronted by shit. And when this happened... I remember just smiling. Was it what I expected? No, of course not. Was it what I envisioned? No. Was it what I hoped for? No. Was that the specific shape of how I thought the moment, or was that the specific shape I thought the moment was gonna have? Of course not. But it was this quiet and comedic receiving of the situation for exactly what it was that allowed this less than ideal sight To become another scene for the incarnation of Christ. I came to experience something profound. And all I saw was a bird take a shit and fly away. And while the shape of this moment to look nothing like I wanted. The substance of spirit was everything it's ever been. Right? The unexpected shit did not get in the way of the peace of the moment. It was the way to peace in the moment. If. could accept it and if I could surrender and let go of whatever I thought was supposed to happen. Every time we surrender the particular shape of our preference, we enter into the universal flow of peace. The impulse of the ego is to mold each experience into a distinct shape that we believe will bring us peace. But the mystery is that the peace we desire comes from completely relinquishing and letting go of the need for our distinct desires to be achieved. See, it's our inability to release the specific pattern that we think we need in the moment. Like, the specific pattern that we think we need in the moment is the very thing that gets in the way of, settling, of us settling into the sacred pattern that is always in place. This is like refusing the gift because you don't like the way it's packaged or missing out on water because you don't like the cup it's poured in or missing out on the fire because of how the wood is arranged. Learning to let go of the particular form that we believe will create peace opens us up to the universal flow of peace that is always, always flowing. So for my people, who are listening in, will you wake up and have the awareness in the moments when you are stuck to the specific shape of the way you thought the moment was supposed to be? Would you surrender and entrust that moment to grace, to God, to spirit? And would you lovingly learn to accept and embrace the moment for exactly what it is? And would you feel peace just start to emerge from within you as you do that?